Chapter Seven of A Confession by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Almer Maud. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Not finding an explanation in science, I began to seek for it in life, hoping to find it among the people around me. And I began to observe how the people around me, people like myself, lived, and what their attitude was to this question which had brought me to despair. And this is what I found among people who were in the same position as myself as regards education and manner of life. I found that for people in my circle there are four ways out of the terrible position in which we are all placed. The first was that of ignorance. It consists of not knowing, of not understanding, that life is evil and an absurdity. People of this sort, chiefly women, or very young or very dull people, have not yet understood the question of life which presented itself to Schopenhauer, Solomon, and Buddha. They see neither the dragon that awaits them, nor the mice gnawing at the shrub by which they are hanging, and they lick the drops of honey, but they lick these drops of honey only for a while. Something will turn their attention to the dragon and the mice, and there will be an end to their licking. From them I had nothing to learn. One cannot cease to know what one does know. The second way out is Epicureanism. It consists, while knowing of the hopelessness of life, in making use, meanwhile, of the advantages one has, disregarding the dragon and the mice, and licking the honey in the best way, especially if there is much of it within reach. Solomon expresses this way thus, Then I commanded mirth, because man hath no better thing under the sun than to eat, to drink, and to be merry, and that this should accompany him in his labor the days of his life which God giveth him under the sun. Therefore eat thy bread with joy, and drink thy wine with a merry heart. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of the life of thy vanity, for this is thy portion in life, and in thy labors which thou takest under the sun. Whatsoever thy hand fitteth to do, do with thy might, for there is not work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. That is the way in which the majority of people of our circle make life possible for themselves. Their circumstances furnish them with more welfare than of hardship, and their moral dullness makes it possible for them to forget that the advantage of their position is accidental, and that not everyone can have a thousand wives in palaces like Solomon, and that for everyone who has a thousand wives there are a thousand without a wife, and that for every palace there are a thousand people who have to build it in the sweat of their brows, and that the accident that has today made me a Solomon may tomorrow make me Solomon's slave. The dullness of these people's imagination enables them to forget the things that gave Buddha no peace, the inevitability of sickness, old age, and death, which today or tomorrow will destroy all these pleasures. So think and feel the majority of people of our day and our manner of life. The fact that some of these people declare the dullness of their thoughts and imaginations to be a philosophy, which they call positive, does not remove them, in my opinion, from the ranks of those who, to avoid seeing the question, lick the honey. I could not imitate these people, not having their dullness of imagination, I could not artificially produce it in myself. I could not tear my eyes away from the mice and the dragon, as no vital man can after he has once seen them. The third escape is that of strength and energy. It consists in destroying life when one has understood that it is an evil and an absurdity. A few exceptionally strong and consistent people act so. Having understood the stupidity of the joke that has been played on them, and having understood that it is better to be dead than to be alive, and that it is best of all not to exist, they act accordingly and promptly end this stupid joke, since there are means, a rope round one's neck, water and a knife to stick in one's heart, or the trains on a railway. And the number of those in our circle who act this way becomes greater and greater, and for the most part they act so at the best time of their life, when the strength of their mind is in full bloom, and few habits degrading to the mind have as yet been acquired. I saw that this was the worthiest way of escape, and I wished to adopt it. The fourth way out is that of weakness. It consists in seeing the truth of the situation and yet clinging to life, 
knowing in advance that nothing can come of it. People of this kind know that death is better than life, but not having the strength to act rationally, to end the deception quickly and kill themselves, they seem to wait for something. This is the escape of weakness, for if I know what is best and it is within my power, why not yield to what is best? I found myself in that category. So people of my class evade the terrible contradiction in four ways. Strain my attention as I would, I saw no way except these four. One was not to understand that life is senseless vanity and an evil, and that it is better not to live. I could not help knowing this, and when I once knew that I could not shut my eyes to it, the second way was to use life such as without thinking to the future, and I could not do that. I, like Sakyamuni, could not ride out hunting when I knew that old age, suffering, and death exist. My imagination was too vivid. Nor could I rejoice in the momentary accidents that for an instant threw pleasure to my lot. The third way, having understood that life is evil and stupid, was to end it by killing oneself. I understood that, but somehow still did not kill myself. The fourth way was to live like Solomon and Schopenhauer, knowing that life was a stupid joke played upon us, and yet still go on living, washing oneself, dressing, dining, talking, and even writing books. This was to me repulsive and tormenting, but I remained in that position. I see now that if I did not kill myself, it was due to some dim consciousness of the invalidity of my thoughts. However convincing and indubitable appeared to me the sequence of my thoughts, and of those of the wise that had brought us to the admission of the senselessness of life, there remained in me a vague doubt of the justice of my conclusion. It was like this. I, my reason, have acknowledged that life is senseless. If there is nothing higher than reason, and there is not, nothing can prove that there is, then reason is the creator of life for me. If reason did not exist, there would be for me no life. How could reason deny life when it is the creator of life? Or to put it another way, were there no life, my reason would not exist, and therefore reason is life's son. Life is all. Reason is the fruit, and yet reason rejects life itself. I felt that there was something wrong here. Life is a senseless evil, that is certain, said I to myself. Yet I have lived and am still living, and all mankind lived and lives. How is that? Why does it live when it is possible not to live? Is it that only I and Schopenhauer are wise enough to understand the senselessness and evil of life? The reasoning showing the vanity of life is not difficult, and it has long been familiar to the very simplest of folk, and yet they have lived and still live. How is it that they all live and never think of doubting the reasonableness of life? My knowledge, confirmed by the wisdom of the sages, has shown me that everything on earth, organic and inorganic, is all the most cleverly arranged, only my own position is stupid, and these fools, the enormous masses of people, know nothing about how everything organic and inorganic in the world is arranged, but they live, and it seems to them that their life is very wisely arranged. And it struck me, but what if there is something I do not yet know? Ignorance behaves just in this way. Ignorance always says just what I am saying. When it does not know something, it says that what it does not know is stupid. Indeed, it appears that there is a whole humanity that lived and lives as if understanding the meaning of life, for without understanding it could not live, but I say that all life is senseless and that I cannot live. Nothing prevents our denying life by suicide. Well then kill yourself and you won't discuss. If life displeases you, kill yourself. You live and cannot understand the meaning of life, then finish it. Do not fool about in life, saying and writing that you do not understand it. You have come into good company where people are contented and know what they are doing. If you find that dull and repulsive, go away. Indeed, what are we who are convinced of the necessity of suicide and yet do not commit it, but the weakest, most inconsistent, and to put it plainly, the stupidest of men, fussing about with our own stupidity as a fool fusses about with a painted hussy? For our wisdom, however indubitable it may be, 
has not given us the knowledge of the meaning of our life. But all mankind who sustain life, millions of them, do not doubt the meaning of life. Indeed, from the most distant time from which I knew anything, when life began, people have lived knowing the argument about the vanity of life, which has shown me its senselessness, and yet they have lived attributing some meaning to it. From the time when any life began among men, they had that meaning of life, and they led that life which descended to me. All that is in me and around me, all, corporeal and incorporeal, is the fruit of their knowledge of life. Those very instruments of thought with which I consider this life and condemn it were all devised not by me, but by them. I myself was born, taught, and brought up thanks to them. They dug out the iron, taught us to cut down the forests, tame the cows and the horses, taught us to sow corn and to live together, organized our life, taught me to think and speak, and I, their product, fed, supplied with drink, taught by them, thinking with their thoughts and words, have argued that they are an absurdity. There is something wrong, said I to myself. I have blundered somewhere, but it was a long time before I could find out what that mistake was. End of chapter 7